Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by guest Tim Burris. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jonathan. To get started, could you give folks a little bit of uh, background about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a software developer and you know, I began developing software in the late 90s. And, you know, like a lot of people, I was just an employee, you know, just uh, going through, you know, different companies or, and uh, just kind of doing my thing. Uh, and I kind of felt this need that, that I would climb the ladder, you know, and so I was a developer and then I was a team lead and, you know, running a team. And then I finally took the step to like running a whole product development department. And, uh, you know, and then sometime around like 2015, I, th that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't want to be a manager and run a department. I wanted to get back to software development. So in 2015, you know, I, uh, I went back to, to developing software for a company that did custom development. And, uh, that's, that's really where I started my hourly um, billing kind of thing. So when I started doing custom software development for a firm, everything was hourly uh, up till then, up till 2015, it was, it was just salary. Uh, yeah. and, uh, man, when I started, when I started hourly immediately, it felt like something wasn't right. Oh, really? Yes. How, sorry. How long were you, uh, employed? So W2? Uh, um, I guess let's see from 98 to 2015. So that's 15, oh. 17 years. Wow. Okay. So, so then you, so you're used to that kind of like, you know, it's fair. I mean, a salary is presumably on a, probably on a monthly basis, but still it's, it's like your day to day is kind of disconnected from the money. It's like you show up, you do your thing and, and you leave. Uh, so yeah. Can you remember the feeling? What was the, what was the, you said it felt immediately it felt wrong. Like in what way, like what sort of, how did it make you feel? Um, Almost immediately, I started measuring everything, whether it was work-related or not work-related by hours and money. Like, oh, this lunch just cost, it was an hour. It cost me a hundred bucks. Uh, and, and it was, it was the wrong way. Like, it was clear that I should not measure me taking vacation and counting up the days and figuring out, well, if I wouldn't have, you know, if I wouldn't have gone to the beach, look how much I would have made, uh, you know? And so I didn't have that when I was a salary employee, of course, because because the vacation was paid. But there still was even when I was an employee, I felt some hours. You, your salary, but you do you're kind of expected to put in forty hours, right? Yes. I mean, there's the leeway. You know, no one's like really on you. Oh, I saw you put thirty nine point seven five hours in, but you still felt like there was a number of hours you needed to hit. Right. It was a part of the agreement. Did Did you have to track time as an employee? Um, for when I was, uh, early on, when I was with the department of defense, I did, I had to track all of my hours, but it was pretty easy that, you know, it was a great team, great management. And we, I just kind of put in 40 at the end of the week. You know, if I left early, then I would, I would reduce it. Uh, but I, I technically had to track it, but it wasn't as tedious as once I really moved to hourly billing. And so when you went, so you immediately felt like, oh, hugging my kids is costing me money. Um, and that sort of thing. Yeah. How long, so you said that was immediate, but did you, did you ever consider doing a different approach or did it not occur to you at all? Like, were you just like, well, you know, hourly billing is what you do when you go solo. So that was your only, did you feel like that was your only choice or did you not even consider other options or how did that go? Uh, I did, you know, I was, I actually wasn't sure what anyone else, I had been salary for so long, uh, and, and just work on products. And then when I was doing this custom development for this firm and it was hourly, I mean, technically I was a salary employee to start, uh, but I had to track every minute of the day and so that it could be billed to the appropriate client. So it wasn't very long into that quote, uh, salary hourly billing that I switched to contractor because, you know, I, I was contractor so that I could get paid by the hour because every hour I put in the company was making money off of it, but I was only getting paid a salary. So, you know, I definitely felt like there was something wrong with that, that approach. And so I switched to contractor with the same company. So then I was billing every hour and getting paid for every hour, but it's still, I, I didn't know what the other options were. I'm like, man, this, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right for me because like you said, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I hugged my kid. I just, I just lost 30 bucks <laughs> and it didn't feel right. Honestly, it did not feel right for our clients. Uh, you know, everything was based on an estimate and what if it goes over and, and then, the, you know, they, 
they thought they might pay a certain amount and then it turns out they pay more or the flip side is for my, the organization I was working for, they thought it was going to be a certain number of hours and then it came in under and they left money on the table. It, yeah. I mean, it truly felt like every aspect of it was wrong and, and I didn't know. And it just so happens that uh, one of my colleagues and a friend uh, who was working with me there said, you, you got to check out Jonathan Stark. And, uh, you know, and that's, that was the first time I really started looking at seriously at, at any other options besides billing by the hour mm. was when I found your ditching hourly stuff. Cool. Yeah. That was one of the things that really drove me away from hourly. Like I couldn't, once I, once I saw the craziness of it, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, oh, this is, this would, it would make it so much easier to have happy clients yeah. if I just gave them a price. Like, like yeah. duh. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's totally been there. Okay. So what happened next? You're contracting. It sounds like kind of like an agency situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm contracting and, um, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to, I have wanted to, to start you know, trying to do some other type of, of billing, whether it's uh, value pricing or fixed price, you know, whatever, some other way to, to charge. But, you know, the, the, the organization I was with, they're, they're fantastic, great people, but hourly billing was what is how they thought and how, how they believe that it should be done. And so that they weren't, I won't say where they weren't open. They didn't see how to make uh, a change into their billing method. So, uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to have to make a change, but I'm not, I, I don't take switching jobs easily or, or change like that very easily. And so I put a bunch of time into thinking, I started, uh, trying to find some projects on my own and just doing them, you know, outside of work. Uh, I eventually switched to working four days a week with this company. And that gave me a day to, tr to see if I could do my own thing and, and not charged by the hour. And it was, it really was pretty immediate. I, I found clients pretty easily and who did not want to pay by the hour that they wanted a number, like they would, you, you know, and, and I would go through that, that why conversation that you, that you talk about nowhere near as uh, elegantly as, as you talk about, but I would stumble through it and I still stumble through it, but I try to find out, well, what do they really need? You know, what's, and then I would just give them a price to deliver whatever it is. And I'm still doing software development. So what I'm delivering is still, I'm doing something. I haven't transitioned into, uh, I know how I'm still in the, I do uh, stage. If, if your listeners are familiar with that concept. Yes, I think they will. So still doing the hands work. Yeah. Um, but this is what I love because I, I spent time not doing hands work and I didn't like it. And so, so I'm back to doing hands work, but it's, it's not hourly. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So, so what did you find with this? Well, actually let's back up a little bit. So you only had one day a week to work on your business on the side. How did, and you said it was easy for you to get clients. How did you get clients after being, you know, so long in house? How did you, what was the way that you attracted leads? Well, a couple, um, uh, were organizations here in, in the town that I, or I technically live in a city, but it's, it's more like a town, it's a, a small town feel. And, uh, you know, I just had people that I knew you know, either personally or through, you know, uh, other ways. And, uh, you know, I just started listening, listening out for any opportunity, you know, that someone might need something. And so that was one way I, I got some leads that way. And, uh, I'm, I don't want to, to give my secret away, but, uh, I have had a ton of luck on Upwork by being the, the different fish in the ocean, uh, where I go in and I find the hourly Bit contracts and I tell them that I won't do it by the hour and, you know, let's have a call. If I'm, a, if I'm a good fit, then I'll give you a price and it'll never be a nickel more. And, uh, I've, I've had nothing but fantastic luck from that. And then a few of those have just led to others. You know, they refer me to the next person, to the next person. So, um, hmm. that's fascinating. So, so one of the things I like, one of the, I, I'm not a huge fan of Upwork, but one of the things I like about it is that it's it's the farmer's market for software and other things it's yeah. like it, people sort of casual buyers are and, and maybe not not so casual buyers it's a place they think of to go look for a pair of hands to build something so uh, so it's an active market that's serving a real demand so that's that's really cool and um, and one thing i'll add is a, a lot of people on there don't even know what what i look for on a client in upwork 
is someone who doesn't call out their development language. They're not saying I need a Rails or Java or .NET. Or those smart. those people are already too, uh, I guess, knowledgeable. Or I'm looking for people that really need help. The, and and the language would be something like I need a database to do X Y Z, and they don't really mean, <laughs> and they don't they don't really mean database. They mean maybe a mobile app or a web, but yeah. they need help, and they don't know where else to go. Right. Uh, and so, and those are the people I can help either by giving them a custom solution or pointing them in the right direction. Most of the time, you know, I can, I can say, look, uh, Mr. Or Mrs. This, there's, there's a, there's a software out there already that does this. You should go check out X and, you know, they go on about their way and they're just very thankful and m maybe it'll come back around and, and they need something, but, uh, and, but then you find that gem, you know, every now and then that they have a very, uh, a very custom process that, that they need custom software for. Mm -hmm. That's actually genius. I love that approach of like looking for people who don't even, that just totally don't know your skill set. They have, they, the, the, I feel like the more the buyer feels like they could do your job if they had the time, the worse it's going to be for you in terms of like being able to delight them. And yeah. And yeah. So it's just, it, hilarious because those are some of my best clients back when I did development, those were my best clients too. Like I never thought about it until you just said it, but they're the ones that just had no idea what. And you feel better. You feel better about being able to help someone who, who really didn't even know where to start. You, you know, they're just, they know they have a problem and, you know, you try to understand what the problem is and, you know, try to understand how valuable it is. And, but you can help them so much and, and there's no tech jargon. I, I almost never tell them the quote tech stack that I'm using <laughs> yeah. every now and then one, so, you know, someone will have, you know, had some knowledge or like, you know, Jimmy said, you know, .NET is great. And I'll say, I'll say what I'm using. And then I'll say, but that's, that's not what's important. What's important is what we're going to get out of this. Uh, so, mm. uh, I, I tried to leave the jargon out. I don't mention database engines and, and software languages and and different hosting, uh, they trust me to, to put it all the whole package together and deliver them, uh, an outcome. Great. That's so good. I love that. So what, so we're up to the point in the story where you've got a day a week, you're finding these sort of, you're, you're cherry picking the greatest, but the best buyers off of Upwork. So how does, before we move on from that, I don't think I was aware that Upwork would let you like, don't you have to put an hourly rate on Upwork or is that not? Yes. Yes, I, I do. And, and so I have to put an hourly and, uh, much like your five pay proposal, again, you know, a lot of the information I've taken from your content and, and tried to adapt it. Mm -hmm. My proposal is super short and super sweet. And it says, ignore the hourly rate on this Upwork requires me to put it. Let's jump on a call. Let's talk about it. So yes, I have to put an hourly rate, but mm -hmm. I immediately tell them there's not going to be an hourly rate. I'm going to give you a number and that will be the number. Mm -hmm. So that's how, that, that's how that. So what, work. but what is your hourly rate? Like, did you decide to put it high or low or average? Yeah, very, very high, very high. Um, sometimes I don't know. I, sometimes I put as much as 200 an hour, 150. Sometimes I've, I've bounced around like sometimes, oh, maybe if I put it under a hundred, uh, I'll get, but then I immediately go, no, no, no. I want them to know I'm going to be expensive that, that. Um, if they need a junior developer to just do a punch list for them, then they, they should find a junior developer to do a punch list. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I really am looking for people that are serious, but most of them don't even know what to expect for the hourly rate. Right. Most of the clients that I find there, I ask them, you know, I'll ask point blank, you know, what did you think? Like, I didn't even know what to expect, you know? So, so they really aren't often aren't even sure what they should be thinking of in terms of an hourly rate. Okay, cool. And then, so you talk to them on the phone. And then, to, I mean, uh, do you still, can you build them a fixed thing through Upwork or you just like take it off? Yeah, of yeah you can, you can, you can, you, uh, so the first thing that happens is you just have what, what, what's an interview, you know, you have a call and then they can refine the contract and they change it to uh, a fixed price uh, contract. Got it. Okay. Well, that makes me like Upwork a lot better <laughs> because it, it is an active marketplace. There's demand there that is, is it, it's very probably, probably the biggest one. Uh, there's certainly others like top Town. I've heard some others that are like very specific. Um, and so in your, in your 
not to get too tactical about Upwork, but this is fascinating. In your description, what's your profile like? Is it is it resume-ish or but you don't really list, you don't care about jargon. So what do you say? I I I I don't remember what the profile. Honestly, most from what I hear about the clients, they don't read the profile anyway. They re- read the proposal, but uh, the profile profile is fairly generic. I don't think that I mentioned any development languages in there. I have changed it a couple of times when when I was early on, and it was first it was jargon related, and then now I believe it's something to the effect of if if you you know you have a problem and you, you I'll solve it. Check. I'm sorry, that was uh, uh, <laughs> that's fine. Um. You know, if you have an Excel app, a cell application that's grown too large and, and, you know, you know, you need a better solution, things to that effect. Right. I, I'd have to pull it up and read it. No, that's okay. I just, I was just curious. Um, okay. So that was, I mean, roughly speaking, what year are we talking about now? Just to keep track of the timeline. So you get this one day a week Upwork thing happening and you're cherry picking these really good clients. Yeah, so, so that was 2018 when I, when I started down that road of, um, you know, one day a week kind of doing my own thing. So I, that was about four years into that. Um, so, uh, yeah, about four years into that is three and a half years, probably when I started doing that. Okay. Uh, and, and I, I guess I, I did that. I did that for a while, I guess until, uh, last year when I went 100%, I, you know, I gave, I left that completely. I had, I had scaled it back to the point that you know, it got to a point where w- with, with the company, I wasn't doing them the justice by, you know, putting three days a week in and, you know, they needed someone that, that would put in the hours, you know, they would, they would, so, you know, we talked and, and, you know, decided that, uh, I would, I, I went and uh, started doing a fixed price engagement for them where I mentor their junior developers. Uh, they had some entry level and junior developers. And so for a fixed price a month, I would be available to answer their questions or, uh, you know, provide them guidance or, uh, you know, things like that. And so yeah, other, other than that, I cut out, I had cut them out completely aside from that fixed price and was just doing my own projects, all, you know, all of my own projects. Cool. And all fixed price. All, and all fixed price. Yes. Nice. And we'll see you some, you were doing some brains work with that, that sort of coaching retainer there. Um, so how busy were you once so you, when you went solo, were you, how confident were you that you would be sufficiently booked let's say? I've never been confident about anything when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to finding this. I mean, even now, so I, I was pretty, I had a couple of ongoing, um, contracts at that point, you know, a couple of gigs that I was, you know, had already been paid for and needed to, to deliver. And so, you know, I felt like that. Th- that and if I could just get one more, I'd be good for the whole year in terms of, you know, will will my kids still eat uh, mm-hmm. and such, you, you know, uh, I, I was in a really good place. And uh, so that's that's kind of what gave me, I guess, the nerve to to do it. And uh, since then, uh, I've I've not had any problem. I've turned away people. It's not like people are just beating down my door, Tim, 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 and I'm just, you know, swatting them away. But I have had the luxury of, of telling clients, you know, I, I don't think that th- this is going to be a good fit. You really need someone like this or, or that, and, you know, and either can refer to them to someone else or, or just try to give them the next step. This is what I feel like you should do to go get uh, help for your problem. And, uh, I've had that luxury. I mean, it's not like every day, but so far it's been great. Mm, cool. It's, you mentioned paid, but still have to deliver. So did these clients typically pay you up front? Typically pay me up front. Uh, again, everything, everything comes from your, your material. I, I almost always request, you know, put in my, um, my quote that it's a hundred percent, hundred percent up front. And sometimes they'll negotiate, well, you know, what about, you know, we split into two, uh, sometimes they'll try to say, well, why don't we do one at the end? And then I'll go with, well, we don't really know when it's going to end. You know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't want you know, that to be some kind of hold up. Are you trying to work towards some ending, you know, air quotes, mm-hmm. let's, but you can choose any day you want. You want to do 180 days, do whatever you want, as long as it's a measured time mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, to do that. But, but most of the time people are upfront, let's do it. Let's get started. I was surprised when, 
when I first, the first time I wrote it, I'm like, this is not going to work. You know, who's going to, who's going to pay me uh, all this money up front? But, but they do. And, uh, most of the time they don't even ask about it. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it, it's not crazy to me, right? Cause I'm like used to it, but I do get people all the time. It's like one of the first questions I get when they see the template, it's like, well, surely you can't mean, you know, for, for real software project is as for upfront. And I'm like, well, they might say no, but you know, like more than more often than not, they just, they checks in the mail. When can we start? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I was, I was just so surprised and it, it's been fantastic. Um, and then you just have to deliver and you right. know, I think you, you mentioned on this, but part of this whole process is you have to be willing to do what it takes to, to deliver the outcome. And that's what you've built them for as an outcome. And for me, it's, I uh, just do whatever it takes to deliver the outcome. Uh, and, you, but you have to be willing to do that. You right. So do, double click on that one for us. So like, doesn't that make you nervous? You know uh, what I mean? People always get scared about, people always get scared about scope creep and that sort of thing. So what's, what's been your experience with these kinds of clients that you're choosing to work with? I, I, what does I that did do? worry about scope creep. I, I did, but because I had, I really, since we focus on the outcome, like even though I'm delivering software, they're, they're going to say, oh, well, how about, can we add this other little thing? And, and I, I usually just don't even bat it. And I just do it because they're not usually asking me for things that aren't part of meeting their outcome, what, whatever that outcome is, whether it's to replace an existing system or, uh, you know, to, to meet some workflow they need to have digitized, whatever it is, it, it's clients. If you find good clients, they're not asking you to do things that, that are outside the realm of, of the project. And so scope creep has not been an issue. I feel like I'm charging, um, enough that I guess, I guess what I'll say is I have agreed to take on the project for a price and I'm, I've not yet been uncomfortable doing what it takes to deliver, to deliver that not even close. Never have I felt like, man, this is, this is getting this is getting drug out, you know, really far. I just, I've, I've been lucky. I, I guess I've been lucky to find clients that, uh, have not, have not done that. Sometimes you can tell on the phone if someone is, um, going to be micromanaging, which might lend themselves to also, uh, asking for a bunch of extra stuff. I mean, I could be making stuff up, but it, it has not been my experience. Yeah. It's like that, the, the, you have the opposite of the, you know, cobbler's kid situation where if you, if, if, if you were not you, but if someone was attracting clients with a jargony kind of, you know, lamp stack or whatever, you know, whatever the latest cool thing is, and you attract buyer, you, you're going to automatically attract buyers who know what those things are. And they are either, like we said before, you know, someone who is qualified to do the work that they want you to do, but they haven't got the time or it's not a good use of their time. So there, those, those kinds of clients generally are super micromanagey and can get very scope creepy because they're telling you how to do your job. It's like, oh, you did it like that. Well, you should have done it like this, do it over yeah. again. So under a fixed price that can be very dangerous. Sure. Uh, and, and I, and I might run in, I definitely can, can see that that will probably happen. I won't be immune to it, but the fact that I've gotten out of this mindset of time, I don't even count up the hours that I spent on it, I don't try to equate it to, did I make enough air quotes, enough money on this project? It doesn't even, it doesn't even cross my mind. You know, I, I fill my taxes out at the end of the year or pay my quarterlies or whatever, and everything is getting paid and, and you know, and, and everything is good. And that that's all that's really has mattered. I, I don't have a time clock. If I don't come in, it's fine. I, you know, no one's that the hurt trade-off has been fine for me. I, I'm, mm. So. Yeah. So go into that a little bit more. So what, what has been your experience working on these kinds of projects compared to your experience when you had to be billable all the time? There's, there's no stress and it's so fun. Uh, in, you know, it, I just know I need to deliver the, the, the software and there, there's almost no meetings during the week. I look at my calendar. I'm like, is this thing working? I'm tapping it. You know, <laughs> um, so. I mean, it's not like I never communicate with the client or that I never show them that I definitely do. But, you know, going from my day being booked of meetings and sales calls and all this to a full week without anything on my calendar has been amazing. I, you know, 
the little things that are not even work related uh, here in the South, there's a lot of outdoor festivals like watermelon festivals and shrimp festivals. And one will be going on and my wife and I'll go, you know, it's Thursday. Why don't we just go? And we just go. And yeah. I don't have to tell anyone. And my clients are still happy because I still deliver what I need to deliver to them. It makes me so much more refreshed, uh, you know, and I just start working. I sit down at my computer and just work on, on their project. They love what I'm delivering for them. I'm happy. They're happy. It's really great. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're, you're describing my life when I was doing that. So like in 2006, 2007, before I started doing like advisory retainers, pretty much exclusively, I was writing code and doing exactly this stuff. And it was like, it, this was back when I still, uh, I, I got sick of writing code. I, I got sick of coding for money specifically. I still love writing code, but coding for money, I just did. I just got tired of it. And, uh, and, but before that happened, oh my God, it was like, it was great. Like all the pressure's off and you could just like really dig into, or I, you know, speaking for myself, I could just really dig into this gnarly problem. And, it, and it wasn't, there was no meeting with the client about how we're going to solve this or whatever. It was just like, ah, this is going to be fun. And I, there was no guilt of when I would like maybe refactor code. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to, I shouldn't bill them for this. I, sh I should have written it better in the first that, place. That's exactly the point that I wanted to bring up, which is that, you know, refactoring all those things, no one, no one cares or knows the client should not care or know about. And I do it without thinking. I change things up. I'm like, change technology. It, it doesn't matter. I do it. And, and what used to happen when you're hourly billing is you do something like you refactor an entire thing. You're like, you know what? I don't like how I did this. I'm going to refactor it, but I'm not going to build the client because that's not fair. So, so now, you, you know, you, you feel frustrated that you just wasted a bunch of time and you didn't get anything for it, mm -hmm. uh, but that's the right thing to do because it wasn't their fault. Uh, to a point of you never even consider it. You, you just you, you just you just do things the right way, and, and you don't think about the time. Uh, I mean, you go, oh, am I going to get this done before I have to go to soccer practice? You might think that, but, right. but you don't think about oh, this is going to be four hours, and uh, again, the dogs aren't going to get any food tonight. <laughs> so it's not like that. It's just so different. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to I think just. Uh, you know, you just have to experience it. It's like, it's just so completely different. And it was, it was for me, it was instantaneous. I mean, it, like the very first client, I was like, oh, this is so relaxing. It, there is a different kind of pressure, which is, which you've alluded to a couple of times. It's like, you have to deliver, like you need to get the thing working and awesome. And it's achieving whatever outcome that they hired you for in the first place. But you have so much freedom and so much latitude in your schedule and how you decide to do it at what, you know, especially if you're like really into uh, doing air quotes, doing things the right way, not hacking and slashing, you really enjoy yep. elegant building, elegant software and all of that stuff. And then showing it to them and they're like, this is great. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is, that is it. Exactly. And one thing, one other thing I wanted to, to, to touch on there was, um, you know, no pressure to, uh, you know, from time, but, or, you know, taking time off, but even, even when I was working for other companies, they, they were fantastic companies and they never um, pushed back. If I wanted to, you know, take time off and go to a Christmas program and, or, you know, take the day off, there was never pushback. It was always flexible time, but I still felt the pressure to tell someone I'm not going to be at my desk. I'm going to, I'm going to be over here or out there, or I'm not and it's, it is still a different kind of freedom when you truly don't have to report your time. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you think you have flexible time, it, there's still a, a pressure and a stress that comes with, with accounting for that, that time that you're not going to be at your desk. Yeah. Where were you? Yeah. And, and again, no one was, I, I was lucky. I never worked for a company that was like, I noticed that, uh, you didn't commit any code in the last two hours. So are you, are you still there? It was, it was never that, but I felt the pressure on myself to make sure that someone knew when I wasn't going to be there. And, uh, it, it, it was just, it was just, I guess, self-imposed stress. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's there though. I mean, that's, that's the way the, that there's an expectation uh, 
for all of these different arrangements, right? So like whatever the arrangement is, whether it's a salary position or it's a contract thing for an agency or it's fixed price directly to the client, each one has this kind of like premise that that is the agreement, you know, the expectations of both parties, like how it's going to be. And that's just how it is. If you have a boss, that is the expectation, no matter how nice they are, there's going to be that kind of like, uh, even if it's self-imposed, that's part of the deal. But if it's not part of the deal, it just goes away. It's amazing. Yeah, indeed. So what are you, these days, are you still sort of where your leads come from now still upwork or, or do you have more sort of repeat business and word of mouth or like a... I, I have repeat business some i mean a, a lot of times once once i deliver a solution to to a company i mean that really has solved th their biggest problems and, and i don't necessarily get a ton of of work from from them but i get referrals you, you know they know someone who also uh struggles with with some kind of problem and uh, so, so it comes from there every now and then for, for an exciting, different kind of project, I'll still go on Upwork and I'll, I'll look around, see if someone, you know, again, I'm looking for that post that someone just needs help and they don't really know what they need. Uh, and, you, you know, I'll go after it. Um, I also do something, I guess, that's different. The clients, when I build, since I am building software, you know, I'm still doing the, the do not know how they want changes to their software. You know, that's inevitable that you're going to deliver something They're They're going to change and, and they're going to want new, new features, but the relationships have been so great that, uh, I really just will, uh, keep track of what they ask for. Probably have three clients that I do this. I just keep track of what they ask for. I'll, I'll hammer it out and I will just build them and they don't ask a question. They don't ask what it was going to cost beforehand. They don't, they don't ask, well, why was it this much? And, uh, I think that's just from, from trust, you know, they trust me and I trust that they're going to, you know, not question it. And I just try to apply my own value to it. I don't like, is this going to take me four hours? If it's, if it's adding something simple that anyone should expect to be in their software, well, that's, that's kind of low value or, or if it's, you know, if it's bigger, I, I, I don't have a good example right now, but the the price will change based on how how much of a change it is for them like are they bringing in a whole new data source like quickbooks or something that, that's that's bigger and that's something we talk about but for the most part i just keep a running tab and i'll just build them quarterly like you know what I, I did some changes for you over the last few months here you go and they're like okay just send me a check <laughs> cool so let's get into the pricing part so when you do come up with a, a fixed price for a project how do you calculate it oh it's hard yeah, I knew, and I knew, I knew this was going to come up and, uh, you, you know, I, I, tr I truly find, try to find out if there are any metrics on their end. Um, like sometimes it's easy. Some, you know, one, one thing was, oh, every, every single day, five, five days a week, our employees have to, to log in and have to go and pull these exports in manually. And it takes, it takes two employees, three hours every single day. Well, you know, you can start to do the math and, and figure out. Uh, by automating the solution, how much are you going to save them? And, you know, so how valuable, you know, you take, you can, you can compute it. So sometimes it's, it's easy to, to find the value, like how valuable, but a lot of times it's not. And I, I, I guess I would say it's kind of from the hip, just experience of software. Uh, I, again, I don't get into counting up the hours, but, but so, I do have to think about how complex we integrating five different data sources, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's dynamic in that I just try to get a feel for, for what it might, what it might be worth. Um, but it's, it's definitely an art, not a science, not, not like, uh, I, I read about a lot of your content. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It really, it, it is more art than science. There's a sort of, a, you know, there's, there's like, like with music, there are frameworks that you can use, you know, like whatever, like a chord progression or the, just the notes, right? Like there's all these sort of things that you use to create something that ultimately is art. Um, so, you know, that's what the why conversation is. Obviously you've heard that before. Maybe someone listening hasn't, but like the why conversation is designed to help you uncover the reason that the person is even spending time to talk to someone like you. So the, the client is something changed in their world. Like things were fine and now they're not. So 
uh, it, something went to a breaking point or, or some sort of asteroid came into their world. You know, like I always say like, oh, Amazon came into the market, they need to, or they've got some competitor that's eating their lunch. Like something happened and, and one day they weren't looking for a software developer. And then the next day they were, and what was that thing that happened and why does it matter? And the, the more it matters and generally speaking, the bigger the company or the bigger the, but bigger the company, the bigger the problem. So the, the, the thing that changed or the risk or the opportunity or the expensive problem type of thing. Uh, and it, it can be difficult to uncover that with the buyer, but the kinds of buyers that you are filtering down for are exactly the kind that can usually answer this question more easily than other, other people. Like they, they're more, they're generally more, um, they're not kind of impressed by the fantasy. They're probably more than anything, they're probably scared. I mean, you tell me, but like a lot of times they're probably kind of nervous about this undertaking. They probably have a sense that it'll be pretty expensive. Uh, if they've never built had software built before, they might imagine it's just going to be really expensive or, you know, pricey and fraught with risk. And they really want someone who they can trust because they don't know what they're talking about. So they don't know how to even vet a, a good software developer from a not so good software developer. Yeah, it, that that's, that's bang on that, you know, most of the time the clients, they're not, they, they don't know what to, to, to expect. And again, part of what I'm selling is I'm going to deliver it no matter what it takes. Like, don't worry about what it's going to take for me to make this happen. Or if it's going to quote, take me longer than I, than I, you know, if I say, I think, well, you know, you, you'll be able to give this to you, you know, you'll be able to go live with this in six months or three months. Don't get hung up on that date. I'm going to deliver it to you. And if it takes longer because things don't worry, this price gets you your, your outcome, but I, I won't. While I never count hours, sometimes I am trying to figure out a price and I'm having a difficult time quantifying well, how, how much, how much is this going to save them? You, they don't always want to throw out numbers to me. Um, you, you know, like, oh, we're wasting a hundred thousand dollars a year on this problem. It's they're not usually as forthcoming as that with me. And it's probably because I'm not very good at the why conversation, but so I, I will just have to draw on some experience and go. Okay. It, you know, if, if I were to, I don't often build CRMs, there's a billion CRMs out there, but, but I, I have done one. It was a very custom process and like they, they had this down to a science, how it needed to work. So, so, but, and, and I go and I think about it and like, you know, in the worst case scenario, I might actually spend two, two or three full months building this thing. Uh, and, and that did play into me coming up with a number because I didn't know how much it was going to save them. Um, it, they were just transitioning from paper to electronic. So, uh, so, so I took that quote time into account as I'm trying to come up with a number and I, on, on that, I just kind of rolled the dice and hoped that they weren't freaked out. And, um, you know, it was, it was great. They, they were fine. I delivered everything was amazing. So I won't say I, I never think of time. I almost never think of time is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point you have to, especially if you're doing implementation hands work, you, mm -hmm. at a certain point you have to like, you have to know what your costs are. So like if, you know, if you were, I don't know, building a house and you were going to give a one price for like everything, including the materials, you need to know how much the materials are going to be so that you literally aren't literally losing money on the house where yeah. folks like us, it's a little, it feels a little weirder because we didn't have to go out and buy the hours that we're selling. Like we get them for free every day. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a cost, but there is. So you, you kind of have to. And the, the other part of it. So once, once I come up with that number, if it's one that that's harder to quantify, you know, I can't, I don't have hard numbers on what I'm going to save them. Uh, I, it comes down to, okay, three months. Will, will I, will I be comfortable delivering whatever the outcome is? for this price, no matter what, what, what if I run into a huge snag and, and it's, it's going to take me, uh, you know, I'm going to have to redo a bunch of things or I'm going to have to, to pull in, you know, some other type of, um, uh, type of integration or, or I'm going to have to learn something, some technology I, I don't know, or whatever it is, am I okay with with, with doing, doing that for this price, no matter how long it takes. And, and that's what I come down to, like what number will I, will I be, 
because I have to deliver. I mean, I'm never not going to deliver it. What if it takes me three years? I'm gonna, it's going to take me three years. I'm going to do it. Uh, so, I mean, that's obviously an exaggeration, but the point is when I take the contract, I'm going to do it no matter what it takes. I'm never going to ask them for anything. I'm never going to complain to them and say, oh boy, this was tough. It was a lot harder than I thought. That's just not the way to be. So that number has to be something that from my experience, I'm, I'm good with. Is, can you give us an order of magnitude of like, in terms of how big the projects are? So is, is three months like a typical, typical length or sometimes they're. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, three months to, uh, I mean, but it's, it's hard. There were times when I was only working quote a day a week or, you know, a day a week and, and, and some mornings. So, you know, it might've taken longer, but, um, yeah, I mean, a, a few months, uh, is, is, is common, um, I, six months is, is not uncommon either. Um, but, but some, here, here's what I'll say. So if I'm doing a six month project, it's, I, I'm not all my eggs in one basket. I'll also have another engagement going on. Um, so, uh, you, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not interested in taking on so much work that clients aren't happy, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not just focused on just one thing. I, I will, you know, take on maybe maybe two or, or three projects or something like that. If I have a mentoring engagement, maybe maybe that's good enough, and I'll I'll focus on just doing for one client and mentoring, you know, for for another. But um, yeah, I guess three to eight months are are typical. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, I know that there's the the. I mean, when you're switching from hourly to fixed price, regardless of how you calculate the fixed price you're taking on the responsibility to manage the scope and, and, and the client so that they don't, you know, ask you to just, they just don't keep piling stuff on your plate, which you've really made easy for yourself by choosing the kind, choosing to work with the kinds of clients you have. So I can see why people who are entertaining this kind of a shift, when they're thinking about it, they get really nervous about scope creep because they are taking on some risk, right? Like they could end up working twice as many hours as they would have thought, you know, so if they would have estimated a hundred hours and they give a fixed price for a hundred hours, and then it ends up being 200 hours, they're going to feel like they shouldn't have done that. Like they got screwed, but the, the, perhaps the thing they're not realizing is you probably could have set your price higher than you did, uh, and, or the experience of working with that client in the second hundred hours is going to be night and day if you're on the clock versus you gave them a fixed price. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. So you're, you, you are taking on some financial risk. Um, but you're, but you're, you're D, uh, I guess risk, I don't know if you're, you're de-risking the odds of having a nightmare client for a hundred hours because yeah. they're just going to get more and more upset with you because, you know, they're finger pointing like, well, you know, you didn't tell me it was needed to have this and like, or whatever. And, and one, one thing I'll happened. say is doing that now today, it's, is a lot easier. I, I couldn't imagine, well, one, my experience, you know, after doing this for man, 25 years, I've, I've seen a lot, but <laughs> software, there's not as many unknowns in software anymore as, as we had when we were doing software in the early two thousands and things were changing. I mean. AI is starting to throw a wrench in some things, but for the most part, they're, they're not that many challenges that you can't have an idea about what that's going to be, you know, okay, we're going to integrate with an API. There's a billion APIs and they almost all work the same. You don't, you don't need to get hung up on, well, oh, they're, they're using OAuth. Again, I don't want to start throwing out lingo, but that's the thing you shouldn't have to worry about. Oh, QuickBooks done. Okay. I, I that that's, it's just an API. Oh, Monday.com done. Okay. It's another API. Just I, as long as, I, I guess, as long as you kind of know what they need and, and I, I never draw out the screens. I'm not out there saying, all right, I'm going to put a text box here. I'm going to like, just, you need a problem solved. I'm going to solve it. And then I just kind of look through like, okay, these are the integrations and this is how complex it is. And so, so here's a and it, it's hard for it to really go too far off the rails unless you get unlucky and you get a client who's then throwing in a bunch of other things like, oh yeah, we also wanted it to communicate with our sensors over on the grain silo. Like what? <laughs> I didn't know this was, there was no IOT in this. Yeah. Like, oh, we assumed that, you just also throw in an iOS app. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, your why conversation should answer that because you really should, you know, even someone like me who doesn't do the why as great as I know that I don't do it as, as great as I should. I still feel like I know all the boundaries once I'm done with that call. Like, what are we talking about here? I have all that information. And so it is scary, but uh, if you just put your fear aside for a second and think about, well, I mean, really, you kind of know the the different types of things you're going to do. And software is kind of, everything's been done. Yeah, it's way easier now. It's so much easier now. So in, in certain ways, it's, I mean, there's certain ways that's, I feel like it's gotten a little over-engineered, but, but boy, you know, you just throw a node module in done and it's like, or whatever, or gems or whatever you're working on. There's like so many people, there's so much open source software, so many APIs. So Indeed. exactly. Is there any, I'm curious, uh, what other patterns could you share with us about the types of clients that you have other than that kind of like they're non-technical, they're extraordinarily non-technical. Are, are you building like work group software in most cases? Is it like back office stuff or is it sometimes client facing? Is it sometimes B2C? Is there, or is it all B2B? Is it? It's mo- a, a lot of times it's back office. A big thing is people who have Excel workbooks that they started in the nineties and it runs their entire business. Like, yeah. You know, and this things do Excel is amazing, but man, sometimes it's doing things they should not be doing. And you know, and they really, you know, clients will get to a point where they're like, this is, it's just, uh, it's just not working. And so it's replacing that kind of back office. But uh, we haven't touched on like niching down. I, I haven't done that, but because I, sometimes I, I take on IOT projects, you know, I'll, I'll do something, uh, a software project that, uh, interfaces with, uh, PLC, you know, sensors out there in the field that are doing things. And so. It really can be all over the spectrum, which is one of the things I love, but the majority of my clients end up wanting back office software, things that run their business. They have processes and that's how, that's how they're successful. They have a workflow that is amazing and that's why they're better than their competitors, but they need a software that matches it. Because if it's the same thing everyone else is doing, there's already a software for it. You don't need me. Just right. go get it. Go get what, what I need is, is someone who, I mean, many times what they are doing in Excel or access or whatever, or however they're doing it on paper, that is their bread and butter of their business. That is why they're successful. And that's why they need a solution to, um, you know, to, to help them. Excellent. Yeah. That, that's, you're just reminding me of my FileMaker days. Cause that was FileMaker's bread and butter was like people who are, out, are outgrowing Excel. So let's just talk one more thing on this uh, and I'm looking at the clock, but one more thing about uh, taking on an IOT job, like out of, out of the blue, that seems very risky for someone who's going to give a fixed price. Is it, is it that you do have some experience with it, but you're not an expert. It's something you, you've done do, once or I twice. I do have experience. I fortunately at the, the place where I was doing, um, custom development, they, uh, they went complete IOT. And so I got some experience doing IOT with them. And, uh, so, so that helps. I don't know that I would have the, uh, I don't, I think it would be too risky if I didn't have an understanding of it, uh, to, to just, I mean, there's, I, I don't think of any, can't think of any offhand, but I know there's going to be some, uh, contact, some, some subjects out there that I would not take on AI for one. I, I have no idea about artificial intelligence. Don't really have an interest in, in, in taking it on. And if someone mentions it, well, I'm not your guy for that, but for IOT, yeah, I've, I've had some experience and it's fun. Cool. Yeah, it must be. I, I've never done it, but it does seem like fun. What about so, just, uh, just uh, something that I think is old, sort of old school like us? Like, what about firmware? If somebody said, oh, we need firmware for like a, I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's not me. I mean, that low level, uh, it, you know, it needs to make it to the, so when I, when I'm doing IOT, it's typically these PLCs and these sensors are already built by either, you know, an engineer they have on, you know, on staff or they purchase one. And those things have different protocols that communicate. And then I handle it from that point on. Um, so, so no, I'm not writing firmware. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's on the, the computer, you know, on the PC, if you wants it, once I handle it for the most part. All right, cool. So you've got some boundary lines where, you know, you you just know there's like an electric fence around certain things that you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to give a fixed bid for that. That would be crazy. Uh, it's like the kind of thing that could blow up in my face. 
Yeah, and and other things like mobile apps. While I'll do mobile apps, things that are flashy, not flash, things that are like marketing related, or like I'm not a web designer, and and I'm I'm a software developer or web app developer. It's different, and people don't always understand that there's a difference. But uh, you know, those kind of mobile, I I, I guess office related mobile apps are what I would do. Not a uh, not an app for Pizza Hut, right? Yeah, so like workflow solutions. Yes. Cool. Well, man, this has been really good. Uh, it's, it's, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that there's so many parallels because we've kind of been in the game this similar number of years. And, um, uh, but it's, it's really good to hear from some, you know, this is the first time we've ever talked. It's, it's really good to hear that sort of like the path, basically that, that it, it's not just me, like the pattern does, can repeat itself at least once. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with a lot of other people I've, I've worked with as well, like worked with directly. Um, but yeah, I, th I feel like the thing I hope the, the listener takes away most from this is, is your comment about tapping the calendar. Like, is this thing working? You know, like just be like, look, cause it's the same with me. It's like, you just look at the calendar you're like, oh, you know, I've got stuff I have to do, but you know, I, I don't have a keeper. I don't have someone that's like, my day is not it's not being controlled by someone else's agenda. It's just so, I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That me, that that's, that's why I wanted to, to, to find a way that I wasn't going to quote track hours all the time. And, and, uh, it just turns out that when you don't have to track hours, then that also means you don't have a bunch of meetings. You don't have a bunch of calendar items because that's, that's one of the, the side effects of just delivering outcomes is n no one's asking for a status update every, every afternoon. <laughs> cool. Well, Tim, if people wanted to reach out and maybe ask you a follow-up question or just connect with you in general, where could they do that? Um, my website, which is chalklogic.com. Uh, for, for people who are interested in software development, I, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, so YouTube at Tim Burris, uh, but, uh, it's, it's all Microsoft.net. We don't really, I know we're not talking, uh, lingo and stuff, but if you check out my YouTube, it's not going to be client-based. It's going to be developer-based because that's what I like to do. But, uh, yeah, chalklogic.com or at Tim Burris on YouTube. Awesome. Thanks a million, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. -L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.